Quiero que mi gente. We are here for another special episode of our Que Lo Que podcast. The podcast here where we feature and we spotlight Dominicans who are making an impact on our communities for our communities. I'm your co-host, Albert Garcia. Um, we're joining you live here today from Miami. And I'm here with my other co-host, um, the always spectacular, never to be outdone or outshined, uh, Venesmia Fernandez. Lovely. Venus, como esta? Que lo que? Aquí guayando la yuca. And I'm so excited to take Mira, estoy fascinada. Pero fascinada lo que va a pasar hoy. I'm yeah. telling you. I'm telling you, I mean, at election day this year, there was a lot of achievements um, all across the nation as dozens of candidates came out and voters came out to decide who they want to lead, not just in terms of big races like federal and state races, but their local municipalities, the folks who are, you know, who are responsible for local budgets and, you know, cleaning up garbage and doing all the things that, that start at the very local level. And one of those great achievements was in the city of Boston. Where in Boston, yeah. voters came out and elected a, a new slate of candidates to the city council. And one of those folks who won was Julia Mejia, an Afro-Latina and single mom. And again, on election day, made history by being the first Latina and Dominican to win a seat on the Boston City Council. Um, for us here at Que Lo Que, the victory was muy emocionante from afar because we connect so much with her story. Rising from poverty to be the first in her family to go and graduate college, returning home and getting involved in nonprofit education and civic engagement work. Um, now that razor thin margin of victory is being challenged. So the vote is heading towards a recount. So we decided to catch up with Julia here. So our listeners in Boston and around the nation um, could hear from her directly and find out um, how they can help um, her secure the victory. So um, that's a long introduction. Pero mira, we're really happy to have you. Julia, mira, que lo que? Que lo que, mi gente. I'm super excited to um, have an opportunity to connect with everyone. This is incredible um, just to be here as the first immigrant woman, the first Afro-Caribbean Latina, as a single mom with school-aged children um, to represent in the city council. And Mira, this started off with my mom who came to this country in pursuit of her dreams. And we quickly realized that everything was a nightmare here in this country um, because she um, was undocumented for a period of time. I had to learn how to fight for her and everybody else in the neighborhood. So, and we, after cleaning offices together, you know, working to make our ends meet, here I am today as the first person in my family to graduate high school, college, buy a house, get my mom out of Section 8, um, and launch several yeah. civic engagement initiatives here in the city of Boston to decide to take matters into my own hands because I believe nothing about us without us is for us, and we need a representation. And it's sad to say that I'm the first Latina to represent in the city council. I'm considering how long we've been, you know, how long the city's been around. Um, but the fact that we're here today speaks volumes to the work that needs to be done in the city of Boston around issues of representation. Um, but we're here knocking down doors and making things happen because I can represent a lot of Julia, you came to Boston as a, as a very young child. Um, paint us a picture. You know, what was Boston like then? How has Boston changed? You know, especially yeah. for Latinos and, and, and Dominicanos. Yeah, so let me just tell you that I came here in the late um, 70s, uh, early 80s, at a time when um, there was what we call um, the busing era, and there was a lot of racial tension here in the city of Boston between black and white, and so coming here, not knowing how to speak English, having to navigate 
a city that was already under a lot of racial tension, the fact that I didn't speak English did not make it easier for me to acclimate um, to the city. And so, you know, there were times when my mom and I were discriminated against and, and treated poorly because of our, um, because no right? We didn't speak English. And so um, all of that, that comes along with being an immigrant was just extra heightened considering the, the racial tension that already existed in Boston. Pero nada, we, we kept things, we kept moving, right? Because at the end of the day, we didn't come here just to sit and wait for things to happen. We, we knew that we, if we really wanted to get out of poverty, we were going to have to work really hard to do so. But I, I still see here in the city of Boston, there's still a lot of segregation. There's still a lot of wealth gap. Um, and there's still a lot of work to do in terms of representation. So my hope is, is by going on, going into the city council is that being able to address these issues that have been chronic here in the city of Boston. Julia, so like a lot of our youth, right? You ventured at some point away from Boston, right? You to, to work in New York City, right? And where you, yeah. you worked on a number of you know MTV projects. What, what what did you learn from your time away from Boston, and and, and what prompted you to return? Because you could have stayed. Yeah. There. So let me tell you really quick. The only reason why I even ended up in New York, um, I actually had stopped going to school. I dropped out out of high school, and then I went back. And there was a woman. She was the first African American um, news anchor. Um, went to my high school to share her story, and I was so inspired by what she was able to do as the first African-American anchor that I decided to not only graduate high school, but I decided to go to college because I wanted to be just like her. I moved to New York after working in the nonprofit sector with young people because I really wanted to pursue a career in broadcast, and I knew that if I was going to make it anywhere, I had to go to New York because I wasn't going to get those opportunities here in Boston. And I ended up working at MTV. I covered the presidential elections as the first time. I was one of the first urban Latina um, reporters on the air. I covered the issues that nobody really wanted to talk about, but were really important um, in our community. And what that taught me was is that everything that dealt with representation and talking about the issues that young people across the country were dealing with that I was going to have to fight for. And that's what I've been doing ever since. And the reason why, um, and I worked at MTV for 10 years, and all of the work that I did was pro-social and cause-related, you know, dropout prevention, take a stand against, you know, discrimination, fight for your rights, HIV and AIDS, all things that were socially conscious I worked on for 10 years. But every time I would visit Boston and come see my mom, I would notice that violence was on the rise because I would see more of those um, memorials that people put when, when we lose a loved one. And I decided that I wanted to bring back to my city everything that I had learned in television to help nonprofit organizations, because that's always been my passion, um, to utilize media as a tool point for engagement. And I moved back to Boston to do just that, and I've been doing that work ever since. You know, But what I noticed when I came back is that I didn't realize how segregated and how the racial tension was, even though I had experienced it early on. I think that I probably just put that to the side. But when I came back to Boston, I really realized how segregated um, it was. Because when I was living in New York, I can be anywhere and still feel like I belonged everywhere. But when I came back to Boston, I'm like, mm, you know, I just felt like aquí la gente here in Boston, you know, everybody is in their own little corner. You don't see a lot of mixed um, diversity in all in one place hanging out, which is very different than New York. You know, you could always find pockets of Latinos everywhere. Right. But um, but here in Boston, I feel like everybody is in their own little corner and it's designed that way just because it's so segregated. 
So I really paid attention to that when I came back. I didn't notice it when I was growing up um, because I think that you just go with it, right? But yeah. as I got older, you know, I I noticed I, I noticed it. It was really in my face. And so, yeah, that, that's one of the well, things that I noticed. No, well, no, Julia, look, I I love that story as a those and participated in some of those uh, projects that you did. But, you know, let's be let's let's you know, your run, your run was exciting for a lot of people. And and myself as a woman, como una dominicana orgullosa, orgullosa. And, you know, you, you're also like you've been very unapologetic about being oh. Afro-Latina, which I love it. I love it. I love it. Me encanta, me encanta, me encanta. And, you know, like, this, just like you said, the city's had its racial tensions and its issues. But, you know, for our Dominican people, la gente, what role do Dominicans like yourself playing this racial, political, you know, in politics of the city? Like, you know, how can we, como Dominicanos, in general, change? Or what can we do? Like, come on. Yeah, so we have a responsibility and an opportunity, uh, especially because we share the island and the, the island, you know, the island of Española with our Haitian brothers and sisters, right? And so I think that as Dominicans, because we know how the racial tension even exists in our homeland, right? What opportunities do we have to really bring people across our differences together here in the state? And I think that Dominicans can really play a big role in that unity building, right? Which is one of the reasons why I claim my Afro roots, because we all know that when our ancestors were abducted from the motherland, the first port that they landed in was in the Caribbean was um, the, the island of Española, right? So we carry that in our roots, right? And so it's really important to honor that as Dominicans. And I think that for me, no matter how light skinned I am, I know that I am Afro-Caribbean Latina. I know that I claim my black roots. And I think that 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 narrative is really about um, the the conversation that often is not had within the Latino community, is that we need to, we need to embrace our differences and really Mm -hmm. recognize that colorism is real, right? Um, And that, we have an opportunity to bring people together and who better to do it than Dominicans who have historical issues around this particular um, conversation in our homeland. Right. So I think that that is where the opportunity presents itself. Um, One of the things that I did not do is that I did not subscribe to the whole notion that I was just Latina. I always claim my black roots and I always talked about immigrants and other marginalized groups. I did a lot of work around LGBTQ. Right. I talked about issues around disability because when you're running for office, you have to recognize that it's not just about you. It's about your whole entire community and being able to uplift the people and the voices and the experiences of everybody is crucial. Right. So that's the tone that I'm setting and that I've always set, you know, as, as a Dominican, as a proud immigrant, you know, being a single mom was also one of the, you know, boxes I was able to check off. Right. I'm raising my daughter on my own. And um, running for office, I couldn't afford to um, quit my job to do that. I had to hold down a, a household income so that I can provide for my daughter. My mom is 70 years old and too poor to retire. So, you know, I had the both extremes there. But at the end of the day, I came to this country to pursue my passion and my purpose. And this is part of that process, you know. 
No, no, exactly, exactly. And, I, you know, you mentioned, you know, that you're a single mom, I'm a single mom. And, you know, balancing kids, a career, it's hard for a lot of people in this country. And even yeah. more so for a single mom. What has yeah. been the keys to trying to, like, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be, like, you know, balancing it. But having, or, you know what I mean, as they say, balancing that and, you know, being an advocate and now a candidate, you know, and then winning. You know, how does these experience fold into what you want to do as a councilwoman, as a council member? Yeah. Well, the good thing is, is that I've been training my daughter for this life um, since she was born. So every time there's an election, she goes with me to vote since she was a baby. Um, I do a lot of I host a lot of events in the city of Boston that are civically um, engaging and to get people uh, participating in different activities. And so she's always been around all of that. So I've incorporated her into my life, my work life and my home life. Right. So she's also learning how to be a social justice warrior in many ways, because looking at it, right? it is what it is. Like, yo, you're going to come out. We're going to, we're going to rant. We're going to chant. We're going to go to rallies. We're going to tear it down. We're going to do all of these things together because that's how we be the next generation of activists. Right. So um, for me, so it's been, that's how I balance it. It's really about helping my daughter understand what the world is, what's happening in the world and what she can do to change it in her own little way. Right. So she's nine now. So she's so used to this life. Um, so balancing it was really about how do I create space for her so that she can have her own voice and her, and her own thoughts around what's happening and then come to her own conclusions and then figure out what she wants to do about what she's experiencing right so that's that's how I've balanced it and so and I've always had two to three jobs since I was a kid right so I've always been on the go so this kind of this fast week is pretty you know I'm used to this world and I'm used to this lifestyle um but I think going into the council it's like one of the things that I'm offering one of the things that I proposed while I was campaigning is that I'm going to do two things. One is host a public hearing on public hearings because they happen at 11 o'clock on Wednesdays when working folks can't participate. I'm going to offer, um, proposing that we offer translation and interpretation and making sure that it's, um, that we're looking at who's attending these public hearings and making sure that representation is there. It's not just the usual suspects that are showing up to these public hearings, but that we have real, um, representation. And then I'm offering, um, that we propose child care at these public hearings because if we're serious about removing barriers to engagement, then we need to make sure that we're putting resources um, to removing those barriers so that single parents can participate in public hearings as wow. well. Um, wow, I must say, care. I just want to say, you know, that child care, I mean, now my kids are a lot older, but that would have, I would say personally, I would participate more in certain things if I was able to put them to the side, because especially in public hearings, it's hard to tell a child, cállate, pero cállate, quiero hablar. I know. You know, Julia, look, you, um, you secured a really big victory on Tuesday, but but obviously the, the election, this election process still isn't over, right? You got, there's a very small margin, I think it was about 10 votes, so your next com closest competitor is looking to be asking for a recount. What's the biggest challenge that you face with this recount and, and seriously, how can our people help? Like, how can our listeners, how can folks who are listening to this, how can they help you in terms of through this process? 
Yeah. So I think when I um when I think about this recount and because I'm always thinking about a long term strategy, that is, this isn't just about winning this election. This is about how do we build black and brown political power in the city of Boston and how do people recognize the importance of their vote? So the recount in many ways presents an opportunity to do just that. Like we won by 10 votes. And that story is a story that we can use to tell people in years to come, right? And so it really is a blessing in disguise. But the work that it's going to take for us to do that is um, it's like running a little mini campaign, right? So we have to get on the ballot. We have to get petitions, um, our signatures, over 1,100 uh, signatures just to do the recount. We have to pay our staff. We have to keep our office open an extra month that we were not anticipating to do so. Um, lawyers see. So there's a lot of financial um, resources that we need that we were not anticipating. So people can help by making a donation. Our website is www.julia4boston. That's www.julia4boston.com. That's F-O-R. That would be great because I know we have listeners from all across the country. So if you can come here to help us um, volunteer, then definitely please make a donation because we're trying to make history. I'll be the first Dominican ever to represent in the city council and the first mujer Latina and the first immigrant. And we want to make sure that young people all across the country see themselves reflected. And this is an opportunity to show what is possible. And we really are looking for help in that in that space, um, raising money. And if you happen to live in the Boston area, we're looking for volunteers. Um, you can sign up through our website as well, www.juliaforboston.com. Uh, we're going to be looking for folks to help us during the recount, checking the ballots, making sure that everything's legit. And, uh, you know, so we're looking for volunteers and money at this point. Um, but for us, it's really been about the long game. It hasn't just been about this campaign, the fact that we offered childcare even during our campaign because we really were, we wanted to be intentional about removing barriers to engagement. And so for us, it's really, we, we entered it to change the game, to change the face of who and um, who has the right to run and even lead campaigns. Um, and so for us, it's always been about a long-term strategy and building the capacity of low-income communities. And I think we have done that. And I'm very confident. 10 points is 10, 10 votes is 10 votes. And even if it's just one, listen, we've made history. And I think that I'm really proud about the, about the way that we've ran our race and the work that we've done. Y la gente que more activado. Like there are a lot of um, Dominicans that became U.S. citizens that had never voted or registered. But they only focus on national elections or they only focus on their homeland. Pero we've activated those folks como like their life depended on it, right? No, and, and it, it's 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 so important. I mean, look, if it, you know, you've had, you know, look, Dominicans in some ways you can say have taken over Boston sports where you're talking about either Big Papi, where you're talking about, you know, in terms of Hamidas, you'll be talking about even last year in terms of with the Celtics and Al Hartford. So so if Dominicans are being in Boston sports, why can't Dominicans be, you know, in the Boston City Council, right? That that's the important thing. And we are your Keloke podcast, we are Mangu for your soul. And, you know, Julia, you know, we love this this political conversation, but we couldn't let you leave here without doing what we always do. Because no, no, no. here at Que Lo Que, it's not just, we're not just Mangu for your soul, because without, you know, as you well know, you can't have Mangu without Lo Tres Golpes. So, Venus, lead us into our, into our, our, our quick, you know, rapid fire 
Primero, 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 I need to, I need to know, Julia, ¿tú estás preparada? Ah, la gente vamos, quiere, vamos, ok, ellos le gustan, primero, merengue o bachata. Bachata. Uh, totoneo maduro. Maduro. Ok, y este, respira, respira, porque esta es la, la madura, la madura. Ay, ay, ay. ay. ¿Morí soñando o con chiclú? Morí soñando. Epa, mira, no. los políticos siempre les gusta el morir soñando. We've had, we've had this like in, informal trend to figure out like, you know, quién es que lo, le gusta. But on a very, a little, seriously, on a little more serious tip, you know, yes. Dominicans are leaving their mark on Beantown. Um, you know, what's something very Boston that maybe Dominicans are remixed or made Boston their own, or, you know, whether it's a, a restaurant or something, you know, like, you know, what's something that, that, that separates maybe Boston Dominicans or maybe they're the New York Dominicans or the Miami Dominicans or something like that. Yeah, no, but I have to say that the Dominicano, we're like, you know how we are. We show up in the place and we make little Dominican everywhere we go, right? <laughs> we like, we got a, we, you know how we are. We tenemos nuestra picadera, stands, you know. The only thing is that we don't have limpia bota. I haven't seen any limpia botas around here, you know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but nah, I would, I, I think that our, I don't know. I see. I see. Boston is a very unique place when it comes to Dominicans. There's like pockets of us in certain areas of Boston, and so we have claimed one area. It's called Jamaica Plain. Um, Alex, Jimmy, you know, various different types of restaurants, Miami restaurants owned by Dominicans. And what I've seen is that Dominicans are um, entrepreneurs and business owners, and they've come here you know, and set up shop, right? Our people have set up shop in different parts of the city and um, through bodegas. That's one thing that I think that Dominicans have dominated all across the country. And yeah. the bodega, el bogadero, el bogadero. Bodega. 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 Right? So I think that that's one thing that is a staple. And we got to get one of our listeners to send us a, a picture of a, a Boston bodega cat, you know, so that we could, we could post it on Instagram. And then I think, you know, um, in Boston in particular, a lot of Banilejos, like um, Boston has a big population of, um, it's a small town in, in the island of Domin in La República Dominicana. And, and that is unique to Boston. It's a high percentage of Banilejos which I am one of them. And so um, there was a lot of excitement and enthusiasm here in the city of Boston from this um, particular area because there were a lot of Anilejos, um in Boston. So that, that I would say is what is, I find to be unique to the Boston landscape. And That's as far as me. Uh -huh. like well, yeah, and, and, and look, you know, a lot of what we do here, a lot of what we do at Queloque is really for folks to understand that you know, Dominicans are, are making an impact or doing a lot of things. Um, and we're doing it without checking our culture at the door, right? Being able to kind of That's do that. Right. Yes. Can I just tell you, I talk about that all the time, even during when I was campaigning at forums. I'm like, listen, I'm not going to leave myself at the door so other people can feel comfortable. I'm bringing all of who I am into these spaces because <laughs> that is what we need to do in city government as well. It's like, we need to create space for all of us. And so, and I don't, I'm unapologetic about black and brown all day, every day. You know, I, our people, this is our time. And this is, this is more about how do we're setting, how we're setting the foundation for 
real meaningful change and it has to begin with us. And I don't want to be the first and only. I'm cracking that ceiling socket. I already, I'm already thinking about who's next, you know? Ooh, I like it. Who's next? Quintana Linea. And that's what we got to think about, right? And that's what we got to do. Look, as we, as we end our, our podcast here, why is it so important for Boston, not just to have a woman or a Latina on the council, but to have you, Julia Mejia, to be on that council? Why is it so important for them to have you there? No, I, I appreciate that question, you know, and and oftentimes I think about when two white men or four white men run, no one says, why do you have to choose between one or the other? Why can't you just have, you know, there's no matter really, it's a false choice, right? Yeah. I think that it's really important for us to recognize that. There were four seats for this particular race that you could choose up to four different city councilors to represent this at-large seat. So there was really no reason for anyone to have to choose between me and the other candidate, right? It, it, it wasn't. Um, however, it's gotten down to that at this point. And I think that we each bring our own lived experience and our um, unique perspectives to the space. I think, you know, either it's not really about one or the other. It's really about how do we have representation that looks at all the different things that are happening in the city of Austin. I can speak for myself. You know, I'm a single mom. I lived a life of poverty in many ways. I'm still juggling to make my own ends meet. You know, I'm an Afro-Caribbean Latina. I've been deeply rooted as a community organizer doing this work um, for 20 plus years. And it's really not about the who. It's really about the why. And right now, representation in the city of Boston is slim. And bringing different lenses and perspectives is, I think, is an added value. And I think that the way that I roll and how I work and how I show up in spaces as, as someone who likes to agitate and disrupt, I think that now is the time to have that type of energy in City Hall. And I'm happy to know that I'm, I'm 10 votes, um, up on, on, on being the who the city elected. Listen, you know, I had no, I came out of nowhere. I worked in education, right? I didn't have citywide connections. I never worked in city government. You know, I am a grassroots candidate, and the fact that we were able to very with with very limited resources and access to political power that we were able to do this, it just goes to speak as to why me, why now? You know, because I think that the city is looking for for something that um, for someone who, who who represents a broader um, coalition of folks. And not to say that I, I might opponent did not i just feel like right now this is where the energy is at and at the end of the day whatever happens i just don't want people to lose that in the bigger picture you know we need to remain focused on making sure that we're building black and brown political power across the nation because that's how we're going to reclaim our space so it's not just about this race and me julian and Mia. it's about what are we going to do in our own neighborhoods in our own streets in our own cities to really build that power but I tell you, it's been it's been a pleasure having you here. I mean, knowing that you've got the type of leader like you out there in Boston, just trying to you know, not, you know agitate, um, trying to get folks out there, trying to really listen to what people's needs are, and trying to incorporate it into civic life and in government. I mean, eso tú sabes, eso no solamente es buena bueno, pero it, it it gives us a little bit of hope, right? In these kind of political times, where people are sí. always you know kind of listening to a lot of um, you know, the harshness that comes out in the news a lot. You know, knowing that that you've got someone who's dedicated to public service like that in the way that you want to do it um, really gives us a lot of hope. Venus, I don't know if you've got any last comments or thoughts in terms of as we wrap up the show um, this week. You know, I, I must say uh, I'm going to just repeat some of the things that she said, you know, for our listeners and viewers. You know, I really, you know, I don't know. I don't know. 
Francis is speaking about, you know, her talking about us being engaged como Dominicanos as Dominicans. We have a voice and it should be heard. I do like some of the ideas that she has said that she's bringing to the table. And, and actually, I've already brought to the table regarding, you know, changing um, the council seats. That's important. But at the end of the day, it's important. Nuestra gente, our people, we need to be heard. You know, if you don't know who Julia Mejia is, Find out about her because we have to educate because it's people like this. We have to support our people so we can continue on growing and continue to make the impact that we do to our community. So, muchas gracias. Orgullosa como madre, orgullosa como dominicana, orgullosa como mujer, that you have stepped up to the plate. So, I'm going to you blessings. And you know, okay. let's let's see. Hopefully, we can get you back on when you, we can officially say "gan otra vez." Yeah. Yes. Yes. No, yes. Yeah, yeah. yes, I would appreciate that. And I just want to just say that if you all can remember this mantra that nothing about us without us is for us, um, and just share that widely because that's that's how we have to start thinking about this work. Is that nothing about us without us is for us, and if we're not. At the dinner table, we're on the menu, and every day we're being eaten up alive. So let's let's step into our power, my people. Y plátano power all day, every day. Vamos pa'lante. Claro, claro que sí. Mira, folks, it's Julia for Boston. Okay, on on you know IG, we'll drop the links in terms of in our social media in terms of where you can get involved. The folks, especially in the Boston area, how you can volunteer. For folks all across the nation, you know, donate, right? Mira, I mean, we go out every so often, comprando tontería y cosas así. Put that money this week to, to Julia, right? Give her, give her a sec, give her a chance. Donate $10, $15. Si no lo tiene, send it to somebody else who know you can um, because, you know, she needs our help and, and she needs our support. As we always say, as we wrap up here in Que Lo Que, um, you know, a, a real pleasure to talk to Julia Mejia. With, uh, thank you again to Julia. Thank you again, Venus. And thank you, our listeners, um, for joining in. And as we say in Que Lo Que, as long as there's good, there's good contributors to spread and Dominicans doing stuff, Que Lo Que will always be here. Thanks a lot.